Hitch, mate. Hitch. I knew asking for the salt and vinegar was too much too soon. Hitch. Hey, Dominic. I got your crisps. Salt and vinegar? Yeah. Hey, wait a minute. You're not Dominic. Yes, I am. Uh, you're not the Dominic I was with last time. No, I'm not. We take it in turns. It's a world domination thing. You wouldn't understand. No, probably not. Now, you have those chips for me? You mean the crisps? Yeah, sorry. Was forgetting we're supposed to be in Great Britain. Scotland, to be precise. I, I do have you for you, for him. Oh, I'm going to get confused. Anyway, the Walker's crisps. He did tell me to hold out for those. <laughs> he was right. And, as we're in Scotland, a can of iron brew to wash them down. Lovely. I'll just leave them on the back seat for me as him. <laughs> I hope this doesn't get too confusing. <laughs> it will. But seeing as you pick me up, we must be off to another hopscotch adventure. Indeed we are. We are heading further northwest into Scotland. Deeper into Scotland? Sure. I, this is a majestic landscape, Dom. Relax. Enjoy. I can do that. Good. Our first port of call, it's about 90 minutes from here, near Kandau. And combining the power of radio-like podcasts and your driving, it will feel like mere seconds. It, well, it should do. Um, I'll drop the links into the show notes to illustrate the, the locations we'll be ending up. Hey, new sound effects for the car. Spared no expense, mate. Well, spared some expense. Feeling flush, are we? A little bit. We have a show sponsor now. More on that later. In the meantime, enjoy the sounds of this little beauty. Hey, I know this one. It's an Austin 7 Ruby, by the sound of it. I'm guessing a green paint scheme with brown leather interior and a tan dash. That's exactly it. Got images from Google. Cool. We aren't exposed like in lovely and sporty Ulster. There are some interesting facts Dominic would want you to know about this model. The base was used as... The Austin 7 was also produced under license in Germany. The first BMW was the Dixie, and in the United States, there was the American Austin Car Company. It was that later under the same name, the American Bantam, who designed the prototype for what became the Jeep. So this little car... Whoa, whoa, Dominic, Dominic, Dominic. Take a breath. That was all prepared for the other Dominic to deliver. Are we there already, then? Not quite. I wanted to take a moment to stop and enjoy this little place. It, it's another car park. And while the show doesn't include laid-bys in the advertising, they are useful waypoints. This one is called The Rest and Be Thankful. Is there a backstory to that? Of course there is. So after um, people with horses had made the long haul up the up to this point in the pass um, from the the slopes, it was a good place to rest the horses and be thankful they'd made it. We're about 260 meters or 850 feet in old money above sea level. Uh, the old road they would have had to take runs parallel to ours. The old route going out the back of the car park. You do like a sense of peace and tranquility, don't you? I thought you were a city boy. I may have been born in a city, Dominic, but my heart always sought the relative serenity of the country.
Well, you really found it for us up here. And from here, it's a quiet, relaxed drive down through to Kandau, and then we can walk down to Akadunan. Confident in those pronunciations, are you? Not at all, but it's all I have for now. So we'll be back in a moment of their time. That wasn't so bad. The magic of radio in a convenient go-anywhere package. This place is tucked up against the lock. Yeah, the the inn and the hotel in Kandau look really good. So I thought we could leave the car here and just walk the rest of the way. The rest of the way? The rest of the way. It's a brisk 30-minute walk. It'll do us both good. You know how I feel about walking. I do indeed. Come on, this way. Hey, so this is the point where the A83 turns at the head of the lock and heads way on the far side, all the way down to Campbelltown if you follow it. The view down the length of the lock is incredible. Yeah, I'm not going to disagree with that, but do something most people don't do. Turn back and look the other way up the valley. Isn't that a magnificent bridge? Do you know if it's the original one? Original may be pushing it. But it's certainly been here a while. I've not been able to find out when it was built. But it's old. And where did they hide the brewery? Oh, that's just down this little side lane. The brewery itself is on an estate which has other interests. They have a a herd of highland cattle. And they've been helping bring back salmon to the river. And there it is. Fine ales. Rob, as much as you'll like breathing in the atmosphere... I could use the beer now. All right, good plan. Um, Take a seat in the courtyard and uh, I'll get the first ones in. Hey, so um, as it turned out, if I'd planned ahead, I could have actually arranged for us to have a tour of the brewery, but didn't. Sorry about that. Not to worry. You did bring back the beer. I did. Here you go. (laughs) This one is their superior IPA. I read the write-up about it, and, oh, it has to be done. What did it say that spoke so eloquently to you? Um, All right, well, let me read it to you. What they say about it is, The superior IPA is generously hopped at four points in the brewing process, including a dry hopping in the conditioning vessel to help build flavor and aroma in the brew, matured for a minimum of four weeks and krausened for a champagne mouthfeel, Superior IPA is krausened with Jarl. This is done to reintroduce fresh yeast to the brew to help with second fermenting in the cask and bottle. The krausening I don't understand yet. Well, to be honest, I wasn't familiar with the term before either. Um, It was explained to me as adding actively fermenting malt wort to the fermenting beer to provide the malted sugars needed for carbonation. So 
In an airtight environment, the carbon dioxide produced is absorbed right into the finished beer. Oh, so that champagne mouthfeel that they were talking about is the way it glides over the palate. Oh, yeah. Ah, that's beautiful. Rich fruit aroma lifts right off the top. Yeah, the hops are right at work in this. So good. And it has the right amount of satisfaction in the aftertaste. The sweet is satisfying, but also just the right amount of bitter to make you water for the next sip. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Go easier on it. I think it's a little deceptive in its strength. What does it weigh in at? 7.1. I'm not getting that at all. No. Ready for another? Oh, yeah. Good. It's your turn to buy, mate. Man, I should have figured. And while you're in there, get some of their steak pies. They make them with their own beef. That sounds delicious. Doesn't it just? Fine ales. Studio addendum. So Dominic and I didn't manage to cover all that we should have done while we were there because we got sidetracked. So a little history. The Fine Ales Brewery dates back to 2000 when Tuggy and Johnny DeLapp realized that they had some empty farm buildings, a lot of rainwater, and a desire to create employment. And as Tuggy says, given that Johnny and the boys were drinking a lot of beer, it seemed like a good idea, and they all thought that she was mad. However, Tuggy and Johnny worked as an excellent partnership, Tuggy being the driving force, and Johnny being a little bit the brakeman to help keep things on course. Over the course of the years, they developed their own strain of yeast, which originally came from the Fountain Bridge Brewery in Edinburgh, and dates back around about 200 years. They have the yeast stored in a yeast bank, so they get a fresh culture of it every three months or so. The brewery continues to go from strength to strength, despite in 2009 the very sad death of the founder, Johnny DeLapp. Following that, his son Jamie took over the position of managing director at Fine Ales. In 2017, Fine Ales was named Beer Destination of the Year in Scottish Beer Awards. In 2018, from the 1st to the 3rd of June, you can visit them for Fine Fest, which is a three-day celebration of beer, food and music, taking place at the brewery in Candow, Argyll. That sounds like a good time. Sponsored by Burt's Better Beers. Burt's Better Beers is located close to Exit 9 North off I-93 in Hooksett, New Hampshire. They have a large selection of international, national and local beers, ciders and meads. Cans and bottles are individually priced so you can select your own beer tour. Tell Burt you heard about Burt's Better Beers on Hopscotch. I expect you'll get a smile that is never far away. You can call Bert's at 603-413-5992 or visit them through their Facebook presence at facebook.com slash Bert's Better Beers. Also follow Bert on Twitter at twitter.com slash Bert's Better Beers. Their opening hours are Tuesday to Friday, 10 to 8, Monday and Saturday, 10 to 7, 
Sunday, 11 to 3. Bert's Better Beers, stimulating the economy, one beer at a time. Good morning, Dominic. Morning, Rob. Not so much of an early start. That suits you better? Anything before noon is a win, bearing in mind that anything before 10.30 is a loss. <laughs> yeah, I noticed the um, other Dominic was not so happy about leaving Suffolk. I assumed it was just that. 4.30 is the work of a madman. Yeah, I'm not debating that, but, you know, feeling ready for the next leg? I am indeed. So tell me more about where we're headed today. We are off to the port town of Oban on the west coast of Scotland. Um, as the crow flies from here, yeah, about 23 miles. By road, I did the math, it's closer to 47. So it's, it's about an hour drive, but there's plenty of scenery and we're going to make a stop. How many stops? Just a stop. Just the one is all I'm planning. Our route from here is going to take us down the A83, and we're going to go as far as Inverary, where we turn north onto the A819, and we'll take that up to the A85 that goes to Oban. But we join it at the northeast end of Loch Awe, and there we will find the well-placed... Kilchurn Castle. So why all the expositive detail then? Well, because this podcast's about the sense of place, as much about beer and whiskey, and I've spent way too long looking at maps and roads and locations and wanted to share. So you're painting an audio picture? Yeah, as far as possible. Well, let's go then. All right, I'll drive. You can read up on the way there. Very good. This is an odd place to stop. It's another car park, but this time, this one isn't the attraction. Um, that's another half-mile walk from here. It is quite desolate here today. With whiskey waiting, this had better be worth stopping for. Yeah, I think it is. Um, so, you read the notes on the way here. Um, let's take that walk and go take a, take a look at it. Okay. I'll tell you all about Kilkern Castle, because I'm an expert now. <laughs> That's what we pay you for. Yeah. The Campbells of Glenorchy started construction on this back in 1450. Its location in Loch Awe gives it perhaps the biggest moat in Great Britain. Sir Duncan Campbell, also known as Black Duncan to his friends had the south range of the castle rebuilt and enlarged in 1614. You think it was really Black Duncan to his friends, or more particularly to his enemies? That 
it's quite possible. All I know is a guy named Black Duncan needs a really big castle. <laughs> anyway, the Campbells attempted unsuccessfully to sell Kilkern to the government after they moved in 1740. Real estate's always been a problem. In 1760, the castle was badly damaged by lightning and was completely abandoned. But it can still be visited today during the summers as the Historical Society keeps it up. In that storm in 1760, the one that finally rendered the building uninhabitable, there's one of the towers um, had one of the cylindrical turrets blown off with such force and violence that it ended up buried upside down in the center of the courtyard. And it's still there. Wow, that's impressive. Either that or it's just a testament to poor cleanup. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I am not going to quiz the janitor on that one. Okay. <laughs> All right. Judging by those clouds that are coming in, it's going to start raining soon. How about we tramp back and then drive on to Oban? I'm ready to drink. <laughs> when has that ever been different? True. True enough. All right. We'll rejoin people in Oban. Hey, Dom, so this is Oban. We're, uh, give me a moment here. I'm just going to find a spot to park. There's so many yellow, li- double yellow lines around here that, uh, yeah, this will do. They won't find it here. Yeah, watch out for those two vans. <laughs> yeah, well, they were there a minute ago, but uh, they'll have gone. So we can take a walk back up. And uh, if we stand here, if you look up, you can see. What do you see? I. That's a nice looking distillery. It's a big brick building. <laughs> as big as it is, it's not as big as the warehouse that we saw last time out. But no, it's um, actually one of Scotland's smallest distilleries. They run um, two pot stills and with that produce uh, well the last numbers I have is a little under 700,000 litres of spirit per year which is you know I think in the industry not much but I I don't even have a good mental measure as to what 700,000 litres of spirit looks like well in my old college days we would call it a good party (laughs) Uh, your college days were not wasted, were they? Although you probably were. Surprisingly enough, I don't remember. That's a big yes. And if you look up further behind the building... See that? What is that? That is not evidence that the Romans got here. They, they put that ruddy great wall up to make sure they didn't. It's actually known as McCaig's Tower. And there was a gentleman by the name of John Stuart McCaig who, um, in an act of, uh, I know it wasn't exactly charity. Uh, It was sort of a a gift to the town, but also employed the locals. Um, He started having this thing worked on in 1897. And uh, it was worked on until his death just in 1902. 
They manage to get as far as building, building what looks like the outer works of the Colosseum. It was intended to also have a, a tower with a museum and an art gallery and so on and so forth. But they, they got that far and no further. But, so it's the the Great Wall of Oban. Uh, All right, the not so great Wall of Oban. <laughs> it's pretty spectacular. Uh, I I I think you're missing your metaphors. Though. Mm-hmm. Um, it's pretty grand. I'll give you that. And I haven't even had a sip of whiskey yet. No, well, we should probably change that. Um, which brings me to the one we were going to talk about this time, which is this one. Now, uh, the one that most people associate with Oban is their 14-year-old, which is very fine indeed. But there's um, one that it's not aged in the traditional sense of just sitting there waiting for something to happen. Um, normally, they're going to age them for 14 years. Then the next mark is at 18 years, and then they have a 32, which we will probably never cover because it's probably outside of the price range of this podcast. But something that was just inside of our range was Oban Little Bay, which um, it's still a single malt, but it's um, small cask conditioned, and the, the copy on the label in very small print says of itself that it's distilled in small batches and slowly married in our smallest casks for distinctive deep smoothness and fruity richness of flavor. And uh, a 43% alcohol, I will tell you they are right. Okay. So try it, see what you think. Mm-hmm. What are you getting? Yeah. Well, I'm getting fruit. Um, there's a sweetness. Um, I'm definitely feeling orange. Yeah. The um, from my point of view, um, it, it it has a, a rich you know, fruit cake feel to it. There's a a lot of that coming out this is good this is mm-hmm. um mm. i'm liking it there's a, a bit of zest on the palate with it you just you mm-hmm. you feel it mm. yeah a nice nice finish you can it's definitely chewy yeah you know i like the way it sits and then dries out i just it, it it holds itself, but it doesn't impose. It's a subtle whiskey. Um, it, I'd say it was subtle at the end. I mean, up front, yeah. there's a there's a lot of flavour. Um, I will be buying this again. Mm-hmm. But the yeah, it's that I like that first feel. Um. But there's just a, a richness of it. Now, now, here's where the, my description falls apart for you, because I'm going to describe this as like a, a rich Christmas fruitcake, which 
for me is magnificent, but you mentioned fruitcakes to Americans and they, they, they think you're crazy. Well, we think doorstop. Yes. Now, I will agree with that in the sense that I have had American fruitcake from a store and um, boat anchor would have probably been a better use for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's because you do it all wrong. I, when I do it, the fruit that's going into mine soaks for about a week in various alcohols, sherry, brandy, gin, rum, whiskey, before ever seeing the mix. So when it comes out, the outside is nicely... I mean, it, it's it's like a good steak in that the outside is sort of seared, so it keeps the flavors in. And then inside, it's that moist richness that you when you cut through it you sort of see it sticking to the knife as opposed to it just wanting to crumble and turn to thousand year old dust so this is a good fruitcake okay i will take your word for it and it's a delicious whiskey so i'm not going to argue (laughs) (laughs) Uh. all right uh, yeah, it's nice to come back to Oban. My first time in Oban was, what, 85? I was too young to drink at the time. But it's good to come back here. Um, it's also a town that's it is worth a visit if you're in the neighborhood. Um, it's a small town, um, much like its distillery, but it's... From everything I remember, a welcoming town. So, I think we're going to give this one a big thumbs up. Uh, I don't know that there's much more we can say about Oban. Well, there is. There's a lot more we could say about this whole place. But, uh, time constraints are against this. So, I, I think we should wrap up this segment and then close her out. I tend to agree with you because... I think we need to eat lunch. <laughs> How? All right. You know what? I'm going to treat you to good Scottish fish and chips. A fish that will have come out from the boats that you can see. I'm not sure where they get the potatoes from around here. Irrelevant. Mm. It's gonna. Okay. It's gonna be good. Okay, so I'm I'm American, so I'm assuming these fish are wearing kilts. Oh, the educational standards. All right, Dom, let's take a walk. Let's go find some chips. Sounds like a plan. Thank you for listening to Hopscotch Episode 2. You can find out more information about this episode and others at hopscotchpodcast.com. All our episodes are hosted on soundcloud.com at soundcloud.com slash hopscotchpodcast. Or, if you subscribe to us, via your favorite podcast app. We do not yet have a social media presence. And with that, good night.
Some of the sound effects used in the production of this podcast have been obtained from FreeSFX. They are available at http colon slash slash www.freesfx.co.uk.